Welcome to the Church of the Living God Mount Sterling podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. For more information about our church, follow us on Facebook by searching for our page, Church of the Living God Mount Sterling. We would love to connect with you, pray with you, and hear what God is doing in your life. Now grab your Bibles and let's get into God's Word. All right, you ready for some Word? Because I know you're not hungry for food yet. Amen. All right, let's go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. I'm excited about this message. We're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to hop a couple places in Acts chapter 10. All right, Acts chapter 10 verse 1 says this. And there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He was a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house, which gave much alms to the people, and he prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius, so the angel called him by name. He is not a Jew, he is, he is a Gentile, which means obviously a non-Jew. But the Spirit of God has descended because the Son of God has come. So he knew his name. He said, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thy alms are come up before a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. And he lodgeth with a Simon the Tanner, whose house is just by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Okay? All right, I'm going to preach a message today by the authority of the kingdom of God called Setting the Table. All right? Setting the Table. Let's pray, church. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you and I just glorify you. Father God, I thank you for the, the, the wonderful love of your spirit that is in this house, that truly you are dwelling in this house. And we honor you, Father God, and we steward that with such care and such humility, Lord God, that we thank you that we, you visit us here. Lord God, I just ask for the unction and the utterance of your Holy Spirit upon this word, that it would be released with boldness and it would unlock things in our hearts that we begin to draw ourselves to you. Because then you promise that you will draw near to us. Father, we speak blessings again over the teachers and the students and this coming school year. And we honor you for it in Jesus' name. And the church shouted amen. amen. So, so I, I, I love this. I, you, you all know that I love the book of Acts because the book of Acts is truly the way church should be. Okay? You can go to, you can go to cemetery, I, I mean seminary, and you can get... 15 degrees, you can get 12 doctorates, you can study whatever you want, but if you don't connect with the book of Acts, you have no clue what church is. Because we're in a world that if you have money, and if you have time, and if you dedicate, you can go to a place, you can receive a, 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 a spiritual degree or a religious degree, and then you, you feel that pastoring is just something that gives you an easy look, that you're just looking for something that, that you can work once or twice a week, and you can put sermons together, you can entertain people, but in the end, you're going to end up preaching a dead gospel in a dead church to a bunch of dead people and all it's going to be is death. 
So we live in a country where that's possible. But to pastor, you have to be called. You have to be anointed because pastoring is not for the weak. I've said it before. You find out real quick that sheep bite. Okay? First couple services, first couple weeks, pastoring, yay, yay, praise the Lord. We're Ow! Sheep bite. Sheep bite. The most attacks I have ever received have been in the house of God, ever. Constantly. Jesus comes back, what happens? He, they say, where did you get those scars? Where, where did you get those nail prints? He said, this, oh man, I got this in the church. The church gave me these. But thank be to God that forever Jesus is scarred so I know how I got in. He's eternally scarred for me. So the book of Acts is the representation of who we want to be like. We want to act like the book of Acts. Because the book of Acts did not separate anything. It didn't separate by gender. It didn't separate by color. It didn't separate by race. All it did was brought together the separation of you want to believe in the gospel or you don't want to believe in the gospel. And that's what we present. We don't choose who comes in. We just present it for all to come. So now is the transition where, where even in the Old Testament, God prophesied that the Gentiles would come in. Jeremiah prophesied it. Isaiah prophesied that Gentiles would come in. So now we come to the place now. In Acts chapter 9, it's Paul that he's, he's going to Damascus. Paul is converted. And then at the end of that chapter, it talks about the apostle Peter. So here we have it. Now it comes into this place where Cornelius is a man that isn't affiliated with the nation of God but he knows God. See, you can go to church and not know God. You can be in church your entire life and never know the blessed hope of Christ. You can do miracles. You can cast out devils. You can do all these things that are accompany churchianity. And Jesus says, I just don't know you. So it comes down to who are we before God and not before man. Because we have a tendency in the church world where we want to represent ourselves to the pews and not to the one who rains fire on the altar. Who are you to God today? What is your relationship with God? What is your connection with God? Because that's what he's looking for. There is a man that has no connection to the nation of God, but he knows God, he prays to God, and all of a sudden God sees it and he visits it. Isn't it awesome that God visits us? May we never get to the point that church replaces connection with God. May we never come to a place where we feel that we have to grab a pastor or an apostle or a prophet to hear from God, or we have to come to an altar. There's nothing wrong with the altar at the church, but I'll tell you what, I've met him in a back bedroom when I was in sin, and he delivered me. There's times where I've been broken, crying, weeping before him, and he came and he grabbed me in the back room. We need to connect with God. This man was connecting with God, and God visited him. We have got to have more of God than just Sunday mornings. We have got to have more than him than just every time periodically through the week. We have got to connect to God on a daily basis because that's what brings relationship. It said he always was praying. And then God says, man, I, I found him. I found where I'm going to land. 
And so Peter was in another town, and everything was going on. And so he, he's a vision. The, the story goes that Peter was sitting up on the roof waiting for some food. And all of a sudden, he saw a big sheet, and there were animals, four-footed beasts, all kind of beasts. And the word of the Lord came and says, Peter, rise and eat. Now, Peter's a very spiritual man, sometimes too spiritual. And he says, I can't eat this. He says, I have never eaten anything that is unclean. I remember ministering at court days, going up to people, street evangelizing, and saying, man, what are you believing for to go to heaven? Hmm. I've been in church my whole life. And I said, that's great. So what are you believing for to go to heaven then? See, we have a disconnect. We think that this is salvation. This, the church ain't never saved no one. The church has never saved a soul. Is it a place for people to get saved? Yes, it is. But the church in itself doesn't save. That's why God calls us. Peter says, man, I have never touched anything. I've been in church my whole life. And God says, don't you call unclean what I have made clean. That's why we go into the prisons. That's why we go into the rehabs. That's why if they got track marks on their arms, you let them come sit next to me. Because they need to be hugged out of their shame. They need to be loved out of their addiction. They need to be brought out of their hatred and their past and the abuses that they have suffered and realize that God is not looking for perfection. God will bring the perfection. Peter, don't you call unclean what I myself have made clean. Peter realizes and says, you tell me what to do. He goes, go to Cornelius. Now God said his name. An angel said his name. Now God says, go see him. Go get Cornelius. So Peter goes there, and, he, and, he's, and he's traveling there. Now listen to this. Verse 23 in Acts chapter 10. Acts 10, 23 says this. Then, he, then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them. And a certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So now Peter is obeying the word of the Lord, and he's going to Joppa. Verse 24, listen to this. And on the morrow, after they had entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and his near friends. Cornelius didn't have covenant, but he knew God. So he knew that if God spoke, he would do it. So now all of a sudden, he, he says, send for Peter. The messengers go to Joppa. They go and see Peter. Remember, Peter gets out of the trance, and as soon as he wakes up, he's like, man, God, what are you saying? And there is a knock on the door. Sometimes God's speaking to you, and if you would obey, the door is about to start knocking with what you've been asking for. We need to be a people connected with the voice of God and not just connected to church. I want you to come to church, but I need you to know who he is. That if all the churches closed, if everything closed, if the government went crazy and everything shut down, would you still have the gospel in you? Would you still know who Christ was? 
I've heard stories of the underground church in China. That they get invited and they show up to the airport and they communicate. They say, well, we can have zero communication with you. You just must be led by the Spirit of God. Show up into China and ask the Lord where to go. This is true stuff. Because it's illegal to preach Christ. You're not allowed to preach Christ. True communist, anti-Christ government. All you have is him. What would happen if something changed in America and that happened where it was illegal to preach the gospel? Would we have enough of Christ in us without the buildings? Would we know him enough to survive, to unite, to grow? Underground Church in China is the fastest growing church. The minister gets off. He starts asking the Lord, where do I go, where to go? He gets led. He meets the pastor. The guy walks up to him, has never seen him before, says, you're pastor, blah, blah, blah. He goes, yeah. He goes, the Holy Spirit has led me to you. They go into back rooms, hundreds of people in small rooms, no Bibles. And one little sister's in the corner, begins to read the Gospel of John. She reads chapters 1 through 6 by heart. Next person, 7 through 8. 9 through 12. Are, are you setting your table? What are we doing here today? Cornelius obeyed a word from a God that he was not allowed to worship. He worshiped a God that everybody, every person, every church says, no, you can't come in here. Cornelius knew this God that he was not allowed to have. He was not allowed to love. He was not allowed to enter into the courts. He loved him so much that when he spoke, he not only obeyed, but he says, I'm going to set a table. He called everybody he knew. He brought together. Listen to that. And on the morrow, he entered into Kessler, and Cornelius waited for them. He was expecting them, and he called together his kinsmen and his near friend. It's to convoke. It's to call together. Cornelius said, something's, something's fit to happen. Something is about to happen because God came, God spoke, I know God, and I'm going to make sure everybody I know is there. What are we doing and I'm not talking about inviting people to church. I'm talking about being the church. Do people know there's healing in your house? Do people know there's redemption in your house? Do people know there's forgiveness in your house? People have approached me and says, Patrick, I know somebody who's battling addiction. And I know you understand, so I know you'll love them. My church doesn't want the program because they don't want those people in the church. This happened just a month ago in Mount Sterling. So you know that I'm not talking about some big city. This is the reality in which we live in. But are we setting the table for people to come and sit? We have a sign when you walk in the door. All have a seat at this table. All have a seat here. Cornelius knew God. Enough that even though the Jews rejected Cornelius, Cornelius said, I'm still going to, pray. I'm going to set the table. 
I'm going to call together. I'm going to convoke. I'm going to call everybody together and to sit down. And they waited. They waited for God. They waited for this. They desired it. It wasn't just church to them. It was everything to them. They give all their life for one moment with God. And we live in such a free society. We live in such a freedom to invite, to call, and, oh, come to church, come to church. But are we truly setting the tables in our hearts and in our lives for anybody who needs him to come and sit? Are we just playing this church thing, or do we want something more? Do we love God enough that we would open up our tables for maybe people who have hated us? There will be people who sit at the table of the Lord that wounded him, that scarred him. I talked about last week the, 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 the thief on the cross. One of the gospels says that both thieves were accusing him and railing him. But the one thief started seeing the, his forgiveness. He started seeing his love. He started seeing that he says, Lama, Lama, Sabakathani. Father, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? And he broke in himself and he says, I want you. I'm guilty, you're not. I want you. And he sat. He said, this day you will be with me in paradise. Church, are we setting the table? And I'm not talking about, once again, I'm not talking about inviting to church. Look at, look at this in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, while we're going there, when it says to call together and to convoke all together, it's the same Greek word as in Luke 9.1 where it says, and Jesus called together his apostles his disciples, and sent him out to do miracles. It's the same thing. It's the same thing from the Son of God and from a Gentile. It's the same thing because the gospel heart is the same. It's all about bringing all of us together at one table under one banner with the headship of one king. Church, are we setting the table? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, very familiar verse. It's, it's the, the five-fold verse. Verse 11 says this, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's why we set the table. We're not the setting the table to be known. We're not setting the table to show our church signs. We're setting the table to do this. So we can perfect the saints. We can work the ministry. We can edify the body of Christ. We can come in unity of the faith, knowledge of the Son of God. We become perfect or perfected in him. We, we come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's why we set the table. The way you walk, the way you talk around town, at your job, at the family table, at the family reunion, the way you walk, are you setting a table that people want to come to? Is there enough Christ in you that people want to sit at your table? Because that's what I see is the issue. I did youth ministry for years, and, and one of the kids was kind of just mouthy that day and goes, well, why aren't we growing? I said, well, let me ask you this. If you were to ask your friends to come to church with you, 
would they look at you funny like, you go to church? The people at your job, the people in your family, do you act in a way that if you were to share Christ, would they be baffled or they want to come sit at your table? What are we representing? When it says edifying, listen to this, edifying to the body of Christ. Edifying in the Greek means this. It means architecture. It means a structure. It means a confirmation. It means a building up. Because to people, to sit at our table is not to showcase our giftings. It's to help them. It's to architecture them. You know, we've been, we, Pastor John and I have been teaching on the prophetic uh, we, we've been talking to the home church, and then there's other churches here, here in Montgomery County that the pastors have approached us about getting deeper into the prophetic. And we've been talking about that, how the prophetic anointing is not to call out sin. It's not to call out people's bondage, but it's actually to dig through the muck and get into the gold. Because if the prophetic is what God sees and what God wants to speak, Do you think God wants the gold, the silver, the precious stones, or all the dirt and the muck? Pastor John said it best. He said, he'll deal with the dust. He'll deal with the muck. You get the gold. You find the gold, I'll deal with everything that is hiding the gold because it's his spirit that purifies us. We don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit just to speak in tongues. We need the fire to purify our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Because we're trying to set a table, not for everybody to look at us and to glean from us and to know how much scripture we know, but they're sitting at the table for us to architect their destiny, for us to build up who they are, to show them that they're more. Well, you don't understand what I've been through, but you don't understand who he is. So we trade who they were for who he is. We set tables in the kingdom for people to sit and for people to rest and for people to catch their breath. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. If we invite enemies to sit at our table, maybe there can be reconciliation. Maybe not, but at least our table's open because we set it. Cornelius called everybody together just like Jesus called everybody together. He brought people to his table because he heard God speak and he says something's going to happen from God. Are we going to win the city just to have a big church? Or is our desire to win the city to set a table Because if the city sits at the table, they're about to receive something from God. Who's going to get the glory? Whose name wants to be plastered on the wall? Because I can't save them. I don't even have it in me to disciple them. But Christ can. To edify means to architect. It means to build. It means we're building up a structure. People are going to come and sit at our table. And are they going to be built up or are they going to be thrown down? Huh? Have you lived in Christ so long 
that you have perfected yourself in a way that your strongest spiritual gift is judgment, accusation, and gossip. What's being set at your table? Who are you going to bring to your table? Is your table be one of gossip and of judgment and prayer requests? Or is it going to be yoke-breaking anointing? Is it going to be cultural transformation? When we sit at the table in our house, my children know that they are absolutely safe. And no enemy can get them. But I put inside of them the architecture of God. I place in them the kingdom of God. Luke 17, 21, the kingdom of God is within us. So I place that within them so that when they go off to school and I'm going, Father God, help them. Father God, help them. Father God, help them. Ezekiel walks with the kingdom. Elise walks with the kingdom. Isaiah walks with the kingdom. It doesn't separate. Why? Because I set my table for them to know the kingdom. What are we setting on our tables And listen to me, look at your life, examine yourself. 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, examine yourself to see whether you still be in the faith. Does anybody want to sit at your table? If you set a table and says, I want to reach out for those to receive Christ, would anybody come and be real about it? And then ask yourself, what have I done What kind of a Christianity have I lived? And instead of being shamed, come out of it and change. Redirect your heart. The world already gets condemnation from every angle. And sadly, it's been perfected in the church. What's the point when Christ came to save? He said, I came not to condemn the world, but that through me they might be saved. Romans 2 forces it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. What are we setting our table with? Are we setting our table with bitter bread? Stony hearts? Religiosity? Pharmaceutical spirits? What are we really doing to show forth our Christianity? I'm asking you that to challenge you, to look back at your heart and to examine yourself. To see, is there anybody who would really come to my table? Do I love enough? I've always said, you want to be completely different? You want to be a radical Christian man? Love more. Love more. Architecture, structure, confirmation. People need to be confirmed that, that, that he that began the work will complete it. So many of us have unaccomplished things in our hearts and in our spirits and in our church world. We feel a lack of calling where I wanted to do this and I felt called to do this, but but you're in a rut and you've never done it and you don't want to do it. You feel called to preach, but nothing ever happened. You feel called to do this ministry and nothing ever happened. And all these things are hindering you because like I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed, I failed. Maybe you're sitting at the wrong table. Maybe you need to come to Cornelius' table where he called him like Jesus called him. Cornelius, why are we here? I don't know, but God is coming. 
I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Cornelius' wife is probably, honey, what are you doing? What, what, what are you talking about? What are you doing? Why is everybody coming here? Why is everybody? I don't know, but, but something's about to happen. God has spoken. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And then Peter shows up. I want you to know that if he speaks, and you hear this, you better open the door. Because his promise is there. This is what Peter says. Acts 10, verse 34. They rehearse the whole story. Cornelius is so blown out of his mind that he, he kneels down to Peter. But Peter knows what that's about. He goes, no, 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 no. Let's go. Let's go. And Peter literally says, what you need I don't know what you need. I, I, I was told to come. Cornelius says, I don't know. I was told to call you. Nobody knows why they're there. We just know God's in the middle of it. We know God's in the middle of it, and there's a table to sit at. That's all we know. Sometimes we don't know why we're setting the table, but if he told me to set it, I'm going to set it, and I'm going to set it pretty. And I'm going to call those who I love. I'm going to call those. I was broken and I was wounded, but there was enough of Christ in me that Daniel said, man, surely I know something's, something's different. I was failing. I was still doing drugs. I was still drinking. But there was enough of him here that he says something is different with him. But when I truly sacrifice myself at the altar, and instead of asking God to drop fire on everybody else, I ask him to drop the fire on me. I set my table, and my family sits at the table and eats freely now. Because God spoke. Peter shows up, goes over everything, and then verse Acts 10.34 says this. Then Peter opened up his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. Come on, somebody. What do you mean he's not, what, what, but I'm in total sin. Of a truth I perceive that God ain't a respecter of persons. Well, but I've done, God is not a respecter of persons. I believe Romans 2.11 also says that there is no respect of persons with God. Just because my calling is to be here does not mean that you are less if you're in the pew. And I will preach until my last day for you to know that. To know that you are called of God. God has called you. And he called me to set a table in the middle of Mount Sterling. And I'm just asking people to come and eat. Of a truth I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. But in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted of him. We all know what happens next. Peter begins to preach the gospel. Acts 10.38 is a very known scripture. It says how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And it says, while Peter yet spake, the Holy Ghost just dropped him. Why are we setting tables? So people who don't feel they can have God have God just dropped on them. I've been in prisons where the Holy Ghost just falls. He just falls. 
handball, shouting, all this stuff, and the Holy Ghost just falls. Been in prisons in Nigeria, Holy Ghost just falls. Where everything of, of the church and the structure, all this stuff, everything was out of place, the service was completely out of place, and the Holy Ghost just falls. Why are we setting the table in Mount Sterling? Because I believe he has promised that the Holy Ghost will fall. That if we set the table, he will bring the Spirit. I don't have to fabricate it. I don't have to dance around it. I don't have to be like the prophets of Baal. All I have to do is listen, obey, set the table, and I know that he who promised is faithful and the Holy Ghost will fall. This changed the entire world. Because of this table being set, you and I are here today. Because we are the Gentiles now that have believed on this message. Why? Because one man who wasn't allowed said, I believe and I'm setting a table. What kind of a table are you setting in your life right now? What kind of table are your kids sitting at? What kind of table is your family sitting at? What kind of table is your children's children going to sit at? Because this is generational. One table was set. We are hundreds of generations past them, and we're sitting at the table of the Lord. Are we willing to set a table that whom God calls can come and sit? But once again, examine yourself that if you invite people to the table, would they come? What kind of life am I living that people would be filled with desire to come and sit at my table? Cornelius lived a life, and when he came, it says the house was filled. Chapters later, he, Peter's talking to the Jews. He said, man, listen. We preached, Holy Ghost just fell. Nobody said, I received Jesus. Holy Ghost just fell. Peter literally went, I mean, I guess we got to baptize him too. Then just baptized him. That's the beginning of our church world right there. Because one man who was rejected and was not allowed in heard from God and set a table. And I say what we start doing is we start setting tables. We start bringing people to the table. We start calling them in to sit at the table. Because if God prepares the table in the presence of my enemies, that means we're just going to be able to eat. We're going to be able to rest. We're going to be able to heal. Some people just need healing. They've been so church hurt for years. And it's time that they just sit at a table and just rest and just eat and be nourished but they're going to be sitting at your table. Amen. Stand with me today.